Coming up on episode five of Off Air with Joe and Oral. A little bit different this week. The day I got the call, we're all going to share the stories of the day that we got the call or the calls to the major leagues for the first time. And Dave Roberts is going to join us for sure. And I think he's going to try and sneak in a surprise guest. It's time for him to check in with some players about this time. So he's going to call somebody. Yeah, literally going to pull out the cell phone and see if we can get somebody on. Uh, we're not going to tell you exactly who that is. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be fun. But most importantly, does Oral really love me? <laughs> Hit it, Frankie. <laughs> Hey, Oral. Yeah? There's something I feel like we need to talk about. Oh, wow. This is really interesting. Yeah, it's a good start, right? Hey, so this is like bad news from a doctor. Go ahead. No, no, it's not. I I think that we can get through this, but it needs to be brought up. So this is our fifth episode, okay? Okay. The first four, something happens at the end of the episode, and if people... People listen to the whole thing. If they listen to the very end, they're going to know what I'm talking about. I don't know how many people actually listen to the end, so they may be caught off guard. But (laughs) each week, I say, love you, man. Yeah. And you not once have said said nothing back. back. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I I don't want to do it now because it seems rehearsed then. I, I better save it for the end of this episode. Maybe by the end of the episode, there's enough distance. But I think I say it back, and Rick Krajewski, the producer, cuts it off. So I think you got to get back to the, what uh, it is. the Here's full the reel. Thing, though. I, I watch you. While we record this, we do it on Zoom, so I see you, and I don't see you say it. It's really me because you tell me in person. Hmm. What is it about you this got, format that you got me? You know what? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to tweet out and Instagram out pictures of my text to you where I say "love you, love you." Sometimes maybe you don't. No, I know it. it I know it. I know you do love me. I just I'm wondering what about. We're really this gonna air this. <laughs> yeah, this is how we're starting oh the episode. My gosh. I appreciate um, that. So I don't want you to tell me that you love me just because I brought this up. I just just kind of wanted to get to the bottom. I wanted to get this off my chest. You know, actually somebody reached out to me and said, "Hey, what is up with Oral never saying he love you back?" I swear. Really? Yeah. Oh a, my gosh. When I said to myself, now, it, I've got to. I, I think out. this is a thing now. We got an issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not build it up too big. Uh, we'll worry about that <laughs> when we get to the end of the episode. So stay tuned, folks, to the very end to see if Oral actually <laughs> loves me. We decided this week, Oral, to do something a little different. Um, the theme of the episode is going to be the day I got the call. And it's going to be a little bit different for all of us. Obviously, you and Doc. It's the day you got the call to the major leagues as a player. For me, it's the call that I got to get the Dodger job. Mine's going to be a little different because there are several calls along that process, kind of a year-long process to be offered or be part of the conversation and then ultimately to take the job. Whereas for you players, 
it happens yeah. pretty quick. You go from the minors to the majors. And so for you, right. I'm going to take you to August 31st, 1983. The president is Ronald Reagan. The top movie at the box office is Mr. Mom, Michael Keaton. And the top song on the charts is Every Breath You Take, the police version. What else on August 31st, 1983? I was called into Del Crandall's office, who is the manager of the Albuquerque Dukes, Triple uh, A team for the Dodgers. It was my second year there. I played two years in San Antonio, a year in Clinton, Iowa, and two years in Albuquerque. And that day after the game, Del Crandall called a few of us in his office, but my turn came and he said, you're being called up to the big leagues. And uh, you could not wipe the smile off my face. My heart was beating through my chest. Um, For a guy who wasn't sure he was ever going to make it because he had to go back to double A the second year, had to go back to triple A the second year, but had a pretty good winter ball and a pretty good spring training and a pretty good year in Albuquerque and got the call, got the call up for Mr. Del Crandall. Do you remember what happens after you leave his office? Uh, A lot of smiles, a lot of handshakes and hugs from teammates, and then immediately getting to a phone to call my parents because uh, that was the most important thing. They had supported me through my whole career and uh, even after that, of course. But, uh, yeah, they were there in Little League. Dad was a traveling salesman, and I remember images of him pulling up in the parking lot while the game was still going on. and taking off his suit and tie and throwing on a t-shirt or something out of the back of the car and then running down to, to help coach or to move into an umpire spot or something. So he was always there. And, you know, nowadays guys get the call and they immediately yeah. pull their cell phones out and they can tell their family immediately. Uh, text messages right. get fired off. What was the process for you? I mean, you got to go like find the clubhouse phone or how, how do your calls get made? Exactly. You do. You, it's really weird to think back to, you know, the apparatuses that we have and the tools and yeah, you got to go find a phone. Sometimes the general manager of a club would let you go in you got to do the old dial nine to get out. And you know, if it, you had to use a credit card of your own, maybe because the club wouldn't even take the billing of that long distance call. But, uh, I remember getting to use the clubhouse phone and, and to call mom and dad. And it's very, very exciting. It's, it's tempered excitement. Because there are some guys that aren't getting called up that expected to, mm-hmm. and you're coming out into a locker room where, let's say, five of us get called up and the other 20 don't. So it's a different feeling walking back in your locker room. You definitely get handshakes, but there are definitely hugs from the guys that are going with you. So you find the phone. Now you got to find a way to make a quick jump from Albuquerque to Montreal. Yeah. And we flew together, a few of us, and... Uh, you know, that's a, it's a fun flight, but you know, there's nerves, there's, there's thoughts, there's talking and, you know, Dave Anderson, I can remember Dave Sachs, some others that we just continued to just, you're excited. And then you get to Montreal Olympic stadium. Uh, we were staying where we stay in Montreal. We stayed at the La Centre Sheraton in downtown and you took the, uh, the, the subway. I don't know what it's called there. It's not the L or the, so, well, I can't read it. You take the speed line in Montreal and you go to the ballpark and you go to Olympic Stadium. And uh, I got in the very first night. I got in the very first night. Uh, it was semi-comfortable because I was with the club in spring training. But to be away from them for the, all those months till the end of the year, those things kind of fade. And so you're nervous again, just even walking in the clubhouse. Who was the first person you remember that greeted you or that you sought out or that, that you were oh. comfortable sitting next to once you got in there? 
Well, Jerry Royce was always nice to me. Uh, Rick Monday was always nice to me. Uh, Steve Yeager was on the club and a veteran. Uh, I remember, of course, Tommy Lasorda and his greeting because his usually the manager's office is one of the first doors as you walk into a clubhouse. There's usually the clubhouse guy's office, the manager's office, and then maybe a laundry room, and then finally into the the the, the main part of the clubhouse. But Tommy Lasorda, for sure, you know, the handshake and the hug and the be ready. Uh, he tells you then, be ready Tommy. for tonight? Yeah, it, you know, it, who knows exactly what came out of Tommy's mouth, but I just know that the flavor of everything was always about being ready or you're a big leaguer now and hey, let's go or call you by your nickname. Something going to be in within the conversation. Something is going to be over the top and something's going to be motivating. <laughs> what about when you got to your locker and saw the jersey oh. hanging there? You know, you'd already seen a, Do- a Dodger jersey hanging in your locker in spring training, but this was legit now. So I think it's completely different. Uh, playing on artificial turf in Montreal, walking out onto the field was different. You don't do that a lot in the minor leagues. I think seeing a crowd, but Montreal crowds weren't that big at that time, but just the expanse of an Olympic stadium. You know, this is not just a baseball stadium, but it was retrofitted to be for baseball. So it was big and cavernous. Uh, and, you know, just getting the perspective of walking onto a big league field and looking around and going, I'm, I'm supposed to be here. I'm not a guest. And uh, it's really, really, you know, and then, and then the game starts and the Dodgers fall behind and uh, they fall behind and they tell me to get up. And I think it was about the sixth or seventh inning I was getting up. Uh, they pinch hit for Burt Hooten. Uh, R.J. Reynolds did. And I knew then uh, that was even, I think, with one out. So I knew. And when they got me up, I'll tell you what, Joe, uh, the, first, the first ball I threw was at least 90 miles an hour. I, didn't, I had so much adrenaline running through my body, hardly any feelings in your fingers and your toes. You know, you just have so much adrenaline that uh, the first ball, I didn't even need to warm up. I mean, I was like immediate loose. Get down, catch your bam, here I go. And uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting to warm up because I remember it, but I don't remember feeling it. You know what I mean? I remember walking on the turf from the bullpen as the call at the end of the inning and to go in. I remember walking around the mound and feeling the dirt in my spikes. I remember looking up for the first pitch and seeing it was Gary Carter, and I wanted to turn around and walk off because I was scared. Oh, my gosh, I'm facing Gary Carter. So had you not checked the lineup card before going out to see that he was bringing you in against the middle third of the order? Maybe, but you know, I don't remember like, oh my God, I got to go over Gary Carter. I got to go over Al yeah. Oliver. I got to go over Tim Wallach. I just remember, oh my God, it's Gary Carter. <laughs> and then Jaeger puts down the sign, sinker away. I throw it and, uh, you know, strike one or foul tip. And he comes out with the umpire giving him another baseball about 15 feet from home plate and guns it back at me and goes, I can't swear on the air. But, you, you know, we're not on whatever the, we're off air. Whatever. <laughs> whatever the blank that was, throw it again. Cause huh. it was a really good sinker low and low. It was like, they could have known it was coming and it was really good. So I threw it again and Carter grounded out to Bill Russell. Bill Russell actually caught the ball. He threw over to Greg Brock. Greg Brock called the ball, caught the ball and I was a big leaguer. And the next batter was Al Oliver. He grounded back to me and I caught the ball and I threw it to Brock and we had two outs. Next batter was Tim Wallach. Strike him out on like three breaking balls. And I walked off the mound like, what took them so long to get Yeah, this here? is easy. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I'm four and a half years in the minors. I should have been here a while ago. So next inning, I go out. I give up a double. 
I give up a sacrifice bunt, man on third and one out, and I give up a single, and they take me out of the game and bring in Joe Beckwith. Yeah. So, you know, one attitude is, you know, what took them so long to get me here, three up, three down, and the next attitude probably wasn't quite as good when I went out for the second inning, and I had my ears pinned behind me and humiliated right away. Your first big league example of the game humbling you fast, right? Yeah, it does. And you know what? You are crushed. It's, you know, everybody wants to call and talk to you after. And I just wanted to end the outing on all the stories with the people at three outs because, you know, television wasn't everywhere back then. You had your regional games, you had your special games, but not every game was televised. So uh, I had to tell most of my friends and family about it, or they may be, we didn't even really have the internet. I don't know how they would have caught up with it. Right. You couldn't get a internet radio. You couldn't get a radio broadcast of it. I know. So yeah, you'd have to wait for the box score the next morning in the paper, right? Right, and I, you know, it'll show that I gave up. I think I gave up three runs. Joe Beckwith gave up some mine, and one was earned. My first one, but after that, there was an error. Yeah, and yeah, you're explaining so much in the day in your family phone calls, and I can remember even after the first outing and continuing on to the big league career not wanting to talk to my parents after bad outings because you just don't want to rehash it yet. How'd you sleep that night? Oh, I'm, you know, I, I'd be guessing, but I would tell you it'd be really, really hard. I mean, it's, it's always been hard for me to sleep. It's always been a mental exercise to figure out a way to calm down and not concentrate on what tomorrow's going to bring, especially the big days. And especially you're, you're falling asleep knowing you just got called up to the big leagues and you're getting on an airplane and you're getting in the game that next night. And now you're, you know, you're barely, uh, you're coming from Albuquerque. So your time zones are different and you're in Montreal on the East coast. It's yeah. My, my mind's flying right now thinking about it. You were 24. How about you? Hold on. Huh? I want to, I want to oh, ask come you on. Let me, thing. let me up for air. You were 24 at the time. I'm going to let the old you up for air. Okay, we we just kind of put you back in the twenty uh, four year old shoes. I'm gonna let that guy up for air. Yeah. If you could now, this version of you, talk to that twenty four year old version of yourself. What would you tell yourself, knowing what you know now? For just that big league outing, yeah. or for, for, for early for that, early for in my career, you there just went through. Yeah. You know, for for the the day you got the call. Yeah, there's. There's very little advice I can give maybe to eliminate any of the things that happened, meaning how fast the game was, how much adrenaline I had, how the nerves were the main thing. Um, I think the best thing that would have calmed me down and advice I could give myself back then would be to slow your eyes down. Hmm. Um, the eyes being the window of the soul, the windows of the emotions. So if I would have been slower and concentrated on more each object that I needed to concentrate on back then, uh, I think it would have slowed my mind down. It would have slowed my game down. It would have slowed my concentration down. I think when my eyes are picking up everything, you know, it's like new environment. Oh my God, the AstroTurf. And oh my gosh, there's Lasorda yelling at me. And here's Jaeger's fingers. And oh my gosh, that's Gary Carter. And it's like everything. And I think later in my career, what I developed was a system for my eyes because that was always a bad habit of mine, picking up the San Diego chicken, picking up this guy, listening to Tommy yell, or here's a vendor coming down with peanuts behind home plate, or the umpire has a bad rhythm for me. You know, like it's hard for me to watch him bend down in the middle of my mechanics. So I, I started a d- drill with myself that is at the moment I got on the mound and determined the situation and calmed the base runners down and figured out what baseball I was going to throw. My feet went on the rubber, but my eyes went down at my foot on the rubber. 
And then my eyes would go from the dirt to the grass, to the dirt, to the catcher's fingers, and nothing above the target. And so I never saw the hitter. I never saw the chicken. I never heard voices because not only when my eyes were locked in, did my brain and my concentration lock in. So I think knowing what I know now and knowing what I know about myself, calming my eyes down and concentrating on each object or subject would have been more important in that outing right from the beginning. Do you wish that you would have journaled the day? Oh, I did get to become a journaler. Uh, and it was a three by five, three by five card system, but it was mainly not about me and my emotions. It was a little bit, but it was more about pitch selection and mechanical adjustments. But sometimes it was about an emotional thing. Like tonight you were really locked in and you know what, you could feel your heartbeat and your heartbeat was the same rhythm as your mind and your mind when your eyes were calm. I would write stuff like that down. You still have those cards? I don't think so because we then moved into the computer age, you know, and IBM was the first big ones, but they were big computers. But uh, I started to transfer stuff from the three by five cards to computers, and I probably threw it out. And and don't ask me about that computer. <laughs> I won't. I've been trying to journal yeah. more during the quarantine, just because like, oh, I have wow. no excuse now. Um, yeah. Just, how amazing will it be 10, 40 years to look back on it? So, yeah, yeah. trying to do a little more each day. Well, you had a first day too, but you said your first day is more like a first year. Yeah, just because. It wasn't one of those things where it was like you wake up one day, the phone rings, and Joe, you're the new Dodger announcer. It was a long process. And I had a lot of fun kind of digging back and felt a little bit like an investigator trying to piece it all together again, going through old emails to find the right dates and looking back through uh, old text messages to to try and find these landmark dates where these things happen. And, And this series of calls happened to get me to the big leagues. So I'm four and a half years in the minors to get my first shot in the big leagues. How many years in the minors for you? I did a summer of independent ball before I was out of college, and then three double-A seasons in Montgomery. And so, so and at, years. at this point, when this story begins, I had done one game on ESPN Radio, one big league game on ESPN Radio. It was wow. A's at Rangers. In 2013, fall of 2013, I had done two major league games on TV. Wow. I had done Cardinals. Yeah, well, this is is the extent of my big league experience, I'm saying. I had done Cardinals at Orioles before the Dodgers called for the first time. I had done Cardinals at Orioles, and I had done Yankees at Rays. And so you, you now go, I, I tried to find the, the first day where it all kind of began. And I'll give you the same uh, setting of the stage that I gave for yours. So Thursday, okay. October 9, 2014, President was Barack Obama. Top movie at the box office that day was Gone Girl. Top song in the chart, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Good jam. I'm in my closet in Grand Rapids where we lived at that point, packing to go on a college football trip. I had West Virginia at Texas Tech that weekend. And so I'm going through my suits and picking out a tie, and the phone rings, mm-hmm. and it's my agent. And he said, hey, uh, what do you have for a baseball reel right now? I said, well, not much. I don't, I don't have a ton of tape, just those two big league games, some stuff at ESPN, some college baseball. But I can throw something together for you. What's going on? 
And he said, well, uh, the Dodgers are again starting to think about what it'll look like once Vin decides to retire. And that your, made your heart stop. Yeah, it did. <laughs> he said, your name came up. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. How many people's name came up for this? And we're talking like 100 people. How do they even know who I am? I was 26 at this point. Again, two big league games of experience on TV. But I said, look, I'll throw something together. And so I put a reel together over the weekend. I uh, sent it off to my agent, who presumably got it to the Dodgers. We heard nothing. And I mm-hmm. didn't figure I'd hear anything. So this is the end of October. End of October, mid-October 2014. Right. So fast forward to the next date that I'll give you. February 10th, 2015. I decided if I'm kind of in this conversation at least, I might as well get in front of the people that are making this decision. I was in LA for a Fox baseball meeting down at Terranea, beautiful place right on the coast, and decided we'd set up a meeting for when these meetings ended. I'd head up to Dodger Stadium. I'd meet Lon Rosen, who was in charge of making the decision. I'd meet Eric Braverman, uh, who's also in charge of making the decision. And so I go up there. You know, I, I change out of my casual stuff that I was wearing for, for the seminar, you know, polo and, and jeans or whatever, change into a right. suit, drive up the Dodger Stadium, go into Lon Rosen's office. And I, I really don't know what to expect at this point. I'm still kind of wide-eyed, right. like, wow, is, is that, am I really being considered? Lon, mm-hmm. you know how Lon is. He cuts right to the chase, right? I yeah. sit down and he said, so you're one of four people we're considering for this job. <laughs> I said, whoa. Okay. So I immediately sat up in my seat and he said, I'm assuming you're interested. And I said, yes, even though at this point I wasn't sure because I didn't know what the position was going to look like. And I was doing my national stuff, which I didn't want to give up. I didn't know if it was going to be possible to do both. So I leave this meeting, my mind's racing like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like I'm actually being considered. I'm still not going to get it. I'm sure the other people they're considering are are big names, and they were. And yeah. I go down, I see my brother, who's a student at USC at the time in the film school. I remember calling my wife and telling her, yeah, uh, you won't believe this, but I'm one of four people. And she said, oh my <laughs> God, you're going to get it. I said, no, like, <laughs> I'm not. So Lon tells me to check in in a couple months. Right. I went back today and found an email, April 9th, 2015. Hi, Lon. Wanted to check in and say, hey, and had to send you this photo I stumbled across while visiting my parents, taken at the 2001 Final Four in Minneapolis. Hope things went smoothly for you during the opening series. Look forward to catching up soon. It was a picture of me when I was 13 and Magic Johnson. Oh, wow. was there for Michigan State, you know, as a just obviously a former Spartan. And figure that'd be a good way to break the ice again. <laughs> Eight minutes later, Lon responds, Joe, call me tomorrow morning to catch up. So I call. Wow. They, at this point, have offered the job to Matt Vaskersian. Yep. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school saying that. I think that, that insiders kind of know that, right? So they had offered the job to Matt Vaskersian, who is now the voice Now of, the outsiders know. Yeah, now everybody knows, yeah. <laughs> All, everybody that listens to this podcast, America knows. Uh, they'd offered the job to Matt Vaskersian. He wasn't sure, and they were going to give yeah. him a month or two to make the decision. Lon said he'd be in touch. June 24th, so you fast forward another few months. It's a Wednesday. 
back in Grand Rapids, my agent, who also had become one of my great friends, Josh Santry, was in town for a little golf trip. We played okay. 18 holes, and during, the, during this round of golf, we talked as we, we drank a few beers. I remember we had Oberon's. It's a Michigan beer. Okay. Three Oberon tall boys apiece as this round went on. Oh, boy. And we were talking about how amazing it would be and how, how could it work if this actually happened? Could we make it work? We talked a bunch about it, okay? So we finished the round. We get in the car to go downtown Grand Rapids to have dinner. My wife drives right. us because we're still feeling yeah. pretty good from the Oberons. <laughs> Very good designated driver. That yeah, was good exactly. Yeah, being responsible. Josh says, holy, you know what? <laughs> he got an email from back in the office in New York. Call on Rosen about Joe. Oh, no. <laughs> It'll call to say you're not getting it. <laughs> well, so we park at dinner. Libby and I go in to get a table. Josh stays out in the parking lot to call on and then comes inside. And we're sitting there wide-eyed like, what's going on? And I remember the first thing Josh said yeah. was, so how long's the wait? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It's 10 minutes. What happened? So basically, <laughs> basically at this point, he said, we want to find a way to hire Joe. Oh, wow. Yeah. And any parameters around that message? Like, it's going to be 100 games, it's going to be 60 games, and we want him to only do midweek because we know he has his weekends with yeah. other stuff? Or? It took a while. So there's still a few months before it. And I don't, I don't remember what we knew at that point. What, it was kind of a blur sitting there at dinner. I know I had a burger but and did some the, fries. Did it temper your excitement not knowing what the schedule might be? Or was you just blown away? The I was just blown away, mind racing, heart beating, like, wow, this yeah. could really happen. Uh, and updates every day for the next couple months. Um, July 28th. Dodgers hosting the A's. Sonny Gray beats Brett Anderson, former Dodger, of course, 2 nothing. Right. I'm there. I met at the stadium with uh, Lon and Eric Braverman again, two execs from Sportsnet LA. Go to lunch with Jared Stacy, who was an exec at Sportsnet LA at that point. Went to a taco joint near the stadium. And he told me, yeah, I think that if you want it, it is yours. Because there was no official offer at this point. It was kind of weird. Right. Like, yeah, I, I think I'm the guy. They wouldn't yeah. be flying me out here for this if I wasn't. Right. September 2nd. And the only reason that I pull up September 2nd is because guess what I found when we're talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. The text on. message for me. Oh, I found a lot. But listen <laughs> to this. September 2nd, I was in L.A. to do Virginia UCLA for Fox. And yep. that night, Zach Granke beat Madison Bumgarner 2-1. We met. Hours before the game, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and within yep. an hour after meeting, I had this voicemail. <laughs> hey, Joe, Oral Hershiser, great to meet you today. I've heard so many good things about you, but uh, I had a great feeling when I walked in a room and we met and talked, so uh, I don't think we have any worries there. We're going to get along great, and uh, it's going to be a great year. And I'll help you out any way we can. Hopefully, we're together for a long, long time. Uh, but anything you need, give me a call. Do not hesitate. Um, I'll get you my email address, too, which is B. And any tips you need on anything or lay of the land, I won't influence you in any way, but I'll give you any information you got. So, yeah, that call happens. Still have that voicemail. 
There was just, there was something when we wa- I walked in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you had me from hello. You might even say it was love at oh, first sight, Or I'm not going there. You're yet. not going to no, say no, it, though, no, as we know. No. no. So this is early <laughs> September. Offer officially arrives mid-October. A lot of people don't know this part. But at the same time, while we're kind of in limbo with the Dodger thing, not sure that it can work in conjunction with Fox, the White Sox call. Oh, I didn't know this. You didn't even know this part? I don't think so. So I went wow. to Chicago and met with the White Sox. And you were quite the free agent. All the way up the ladder. You know, I, 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 I met with, with, with the whole crew. Uh, a little more attractive because of the family in Michigan? Yeah. You know, being Midwest people, it was definitely something to consider. Situation there was Hawk Harrelson was finishing up his career. It was going to be a similar right. thing where, you know, I, I, I backwards though, I was going to do just home games. Hawk wanted to travel. He didn't live in Chicago, okay. so he was going to do the road games uh, for a year or two. Seriously considered that because we still hadn't hammered anything home with the Dodgers to wow. the point where, Oral. Yeah. First week of November 2015, so more than a year after I got the call for the first time. Right. I decide it's not happening. Really? I'm pretty certain that it's just not going to work. And so because it, you're it not was ready, your square peg round hole kind of thing, they I just we didn't think that it was going to line up the Fox schedule and the Dodgers yeah. schedule. And okay. yeah, there there were a lot of things. And so Josh, my agent, tells Lon, hey, and it was kind of trending in this direction, I guess. But Josh told Lon, yeah. you know, square peg, round hole. But Joe wants to call you to tell you himself and, and to thank you so much for this whole process. And this was going to be a tough call for me to make. I was right. out mowing the lawn. I was in the front yard, shirt off, sun out. It was a really warm November day. I actually looked it up. It was in the low 70s in Michigan somehow. So I'm out mowing the lawn, getting the last semblance of a tan I can for that year. By the time I get to the back lawn, Josh calls again and says, you're never going to believe this. But Lon immediately called him after Josh had sent that email to say that I'd be calling to turn it down and said, all right, right. what does Joe want? And Josh said, well, and Lon said, as Lon does, he he, quick conversations with Lon, put it in an email. And that was that. Right. So Josh kind of laid out everything that, that we had discussed in theory um, over the previous several weeks since the initial offer came out. One of the last things we threw in there, and this was just like, if, if it was, you know, if, if Lon laid it out there, what does Joe want? Let's go for the moon, right? Last thing we put on <laughs> oh, there boy. was uh, fly him first class everywhere he goes. You know, why not ask for it? Okay. Yeah. So the the call the call after that, I guess this would be the call where we knew it was official. Lon calls Josh. Josh answers the phone, and Lon's reply is, and, and again, everything we laid out was just a structure where I could continue to do the national stuff. Your Fox job. Yes. Yeah. Lon calls. Josh answers. Says, "What's up, Lon?" And Lon says, "I'm not flying in first class." <laughs> And so we knew, like, obviously that's fine, right? But everything else he agreed to. That's a throwaway. I had the job. And there's one other call when I stumbled on the voicemail that that you left me that I wanted to share that came about a week after that. Hi, Joe. It's Vin Scully in Los Angeles. 
I tried to get you earlier in the day, so I start off the year 0 for 2. But I was calling just to welcome you to the family, to wish you great success, and I know you will love the ball club and the way they treat people. I look forward to seeing you somewhere along the line, although I doubt if it will be on the road. Anyway, uh, good luck. I'll see you, I'm sure, soon, and I'll be thrilled to wish you all the best wishes possible. I know what it was like to be 27, 28, and starting out with a big club, and I know it will be a great marriage. So congratulations, and look forward to seeing you. Sorry, I know it was kind of a long-winded day I got the call, but... Do you know how many fans just love to hear Vince Gulley's voice, even if it is congratulating you on getting to the big leagues? I know. I think it's absolutely amazing. Did Which one of those events were you like through the moon and it really was the biggest reaction where you really felt like this is it? Was there always a little tension like it's um, not, but then you finally realized in your heart it's going to happen? I think the call that we got while my agent was in town golfing they, no. they first time they said they wanted to move forward with me. That at that point, right. Matt Vescursion had said no. Others had said no. And then that day where I went in a one hour span from ready to call on when I finished mowing the lawn to tell him no, right to having a deal. And to think back wow. on that, that I was that close to turning it down, is just mind blowing to me because I can't imagine yeah. my life and my career without it now. Well, I couldn't imagine it without you, but I'm not going to say I love you, but that might be Save later. Save that for the um, end of the episode. So you ended my story with a question, and I'll end yours with a question of what advice would you give Joe back then that from all the experience you've had so far now in the big leagues? Take the damn job, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Forget the schedule. Take the job. Oh, my gosh. No, I mean, I, I'm very happy that it went down how it did, that I, I fought yeah. the way I did to keep the national stuff because. That remains very, very um, important yeah. to me, just as important as it was. Uh, I think probably just tell myself to relax and it'll be okay and it'll work out because I think anytime anybody's going through something like that, you wonder. Oh, it's, it's human nature to wonder, am I going to come out of this right? Am I making yeah. the right decisions? Am I going to make decisions now that, that butterfly affect their way to like ruin my dreams and my career? So there was just yeah. so much worry as I was going through that. Did anything change, though? You know, I know your, your preparation is off the charts and your personality and how you take somebody who's very, very detail-oriented, but on the air, you become very, very relaxed, and it's easy to kind of casually watch a game with you and feel comfortable, but I know that there's more of that behind the scenes in your prep. Was your prep the same in the minors? It had to grow because there's just more information on big leaguers. How did those first three big league games go? What advice would you give your young Joe yeah. compared to the Joe you are now? Uh, yeah, I think my prep is always evolving. And I think that I'm always allowing myself to be myself more. I think that comes with time and with reps. Uh, those first reps, man, you just, you're so focused on nailing it, proving that you belong. Because at that point, yeah. I didn't really belong. I told you I'd done two Major League Baseball games at that point. Mm-hmm. And I did, I did several more. I did a full season for Fox in 2015 while we were going through the negotiations. So I was getting those reps. But really, I didn't belong in that seat. I didn't belong being the guy to follow Vin. And so I was so focused on faking that I belong and, and earning yeah. the respect of people 
when I knew I came in at a disadvantage with a lot of doubters as I should have had. Yeah, it, yeah. it's the same. You know what? That's I love to, to relate to people when they say what it's like to win the World Series. What's it like to have your first big league outing? What's it like to do, announce your first big league game? Uh, I'd like to relate that to we're not different than you. When you get nervous, when you get excited, when you get a promotion, when you get a disappointment in life, the same feelings. It's just what, what do we do with them and how do we grow from it? It's, uh, it's so relatable to listen to your first big, big league experiences compared to a player, but you're doing it off the field in an announcing role and I'm doing it on the field as a pitching role, but I feel the same. I, I'm so connected to the story and the nerves and the excitement and the anticipation and the sleepless nights. Is this going to happen? Oh, it's not. And oh, now it is. It's like, it's unbelievable. Let's bring in Dave Roberts and get his day. All right, so uh, Oral and I talk a lot, and we went a little long, so we're going to get rid of this week, uh, best thing we saw this week, so we're going to have some really good ones for next week. We're going to get Doc right into the day he got the call. Dave, August 6th, 1999, and I'm going to set the stage the same way I did for Oral and for myself. President was Bill Clinton. Top movie at the box office that week was The Sixth Sense with noted Dodger fan Haley Joel Osment. And the top song in the charts was uh, a classic Genie in a Bottle Baby by Christina Aguilera. August 6th, 1999, Dave. Wow, that, that, uh, I haven't really thought about that day uh, in quite some time or listened to Genie in the Bottle. Because, uh, yeah, Christina Aguilera, <laughs> she, she was the it girl. Um, you know, I, I think that I do remember, so I'm, so 99, I'm 27 years old, so I wasn't Gavin Lux or, or Cody Bellinger, uh, certainly. Um, I remember getting the call, you know, we had a game, I was in, I was playing for the Buffalo Bisons, and I remember, you know, kind of scuffling. I was in the mid-270s, and uh, I was at uh, maybe a renaissance, something with my then- girlfriend my wife now Trisha and we're in the room and I get a call from our manager and he's says he wants to see me in his room and I had no idea because I was sort of scuffling at the time so I go up to his room and he just tells me and I was with the Indians at the time so Oral um, was on that club as well and and so um, I remember getting the call that night and him telling me I'm going to the big league so I run down to my uh, room with my wife and my girlfriend and we are literally jumping up and down on the bed like five-year-olds. It, it was the best <laughs> great feeling. You guys were high school sweethearts. When did you guys meet? Yeah, we, we, were, we met in Spanish class. I, I wooed her with my Espanol. So I, I was the guy <laughs> that, yeah, sophomore year, 15 years old. And, you know, you know at three-sport athlete. And, and uh, she was more... Um, you know, in the ASB and fashion. So, yeah. So we've been together for a long time. So she was there at the three fifteen uh, high school games where only parents were there. And it, it, because she shared the whole journey, every step of it, that reaction you're talking about when you get back into the room, you're only going to have that kind of shared reaction with somebody who has experienced with, with you. Absolutely. And the thing is for me is that, you know, I went to UCLA, graduated at 22. And so, a lot of my teammates and friends, you know, they go out into the professional world and start, you know, making money and doing things. And, you know, I think at that point in time, guys, I was making, I mean, 
two grand a month, 2,200, 2,100 a month. And this is over the course of five months. So I remember giving hitting lessons in the off season uh, just to try to, uh, you know, make it make ends meet and living with my mother-in-law. So yeah, Trisha went along with me for the ride. So, and she's the one who person who was always like, Hey, as long as you love it, keep doing it. We'll, we'll figure it out. And so, yeah, you get that call that you're going to go to the show. Um, I was just overwhelmed. And the fun part is, you know, you, you're calling back home and you're calling your mom and your dad and uh, her parents and, and things like that. My sister and, and just to see, and Oral, you know, I mean, it's like oh. any player that goes through this, this journey, this ride, it encompasses so many people that helped you get there. So then when you get that call, it's like they got the call to the big leagues too. Joe and Joe was uh, three and a half years in the minors. I was four and a half years in the minors. You were how long in the minors? And then what was that plane flight like and walking into the big league locker room for the first time? Yeah. So, um, I was, so I signed in 94. So that's five years in the minor leagues. And, um, it's kind of questioning, is this the right thing? Am I going to be good enough? Am I wasting my time? Um, so it was five years for me, you know, we're not all like, you know, Joe's kind of like, uh, Cody Bellinger. You know, so you just, uh, yeah. you're there, you're a superstar, and then you're in the big leagues. But you and Oral and I, we kind of had to keep grinding, right? Joe still can't hit lefties, but yeah. You know, <laughs> like I would have played tunes. <laughs> right, I haven't fixed that. <laughs> no, but but it's like, um, so you get the call, and then it's like, then I was in Rochester. So, you know, if anyone has ever been up there, it's called the throughway from like Rochester to Buffalo, <laughs> where you got to kind of, we don't, they don't call it a freeway up there. It's like a throughway. So get get in the car at, call it you know, 1231 o'clock and my wife and I are just amped making phone calls, um, on the phone, our flip phone, we probably had back then and go to Buffalo to get the, get the apartment cleaned up to then we were in Tampa, the Indians were in Tampa. So we flew out that next morning to then get to Tampa that day. And I, that's why from now on, you know, the Vinoy, uh, the trop Tropicana field is always a favorite of mine because that's the first time I donned a major league uniform. So when people are, that's not even the major leagues yet. They, I don't want to <laughs> oh, hear that. That's on, the Tampa big league. Are you oh, kidding wow. me? But I will tell you this though, is that my debut was the night that Wade Boggs got 3000 hits and he had a Homer on his 3000 hit coming around mm-hmm. Um, kissing home plate. So the trop was packed then. So that was still a, a, so it was a big league for me, Oral. All right. When did you find out you'd be hitting lead off in your debut? Soft landing, man. Yeah, right, right. Soft landing. And and, I have Omar Vizquel, Robbie Alomar, uh, Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey uh, hitting behind me. So did I see number 52, Dave Roberts, <laughs> make his debut hit and lead off? Absolutely <laughs> not. There was certainly not a soft landing, but it was just the uniform just felt so good. And, you know, everyone plays baseball. It just doesn't stretch. When you put on that big league uniform, it just fits perfect. And, um, you know, you've seen your name on the lineup card. And again, I mean, this is some Hall of Famers, Robbie Alomar, Jim Tomey, um, Omar Vizquel, you know, Kenny Lofton was, well, he was hurt, but there was just so, Oral Hershiser, Doc Gooden, you know, there's so many different guys that I was fortunate that I got to break in with some great professionals that allowed me to kind of learn how to be a pro and a big leaguer. You mentioned Wade Boggs got his 3,000th hit. Just looking at the box score, 
looks like a wacky game. It was 15-10. You guys had 19 hits. Tampa Bay had 14 hits. The game was almost four hours long. But you went three for five, scored three runs. This is easy, right? <laughs> so I'll tell you this. So I did throw out uh, three hits that day. But my first at bat, Bobby Witt, who ironically his son, I think it was last year, was the first pick in the draft, which was crazy for me that my first hit was against his dad. But I got, I mean, I swear, guys, the ball, I couldn't feel my legs, my arms. I was so nervous. And <laughs> I think I was in a good count and I just got sawed off. It was probably right down the middle. <laughs> and I hit like a 22 hopper right back to the pitcher and he tossed it. And then I was like, okay, I got the first one out and I fortunately got to hit, uh, you know, my next few at bats. And yeah, it, it, it was, it was good. So the 600 average, the first game, certainly downhill after that. You know what, Joe, there's something about nerves and excitement because Dave is describing me on that team. And I wasn't the, well, you were Dave in spring remember, training. Was it that yes, year? You remember me from spring training because yep. you were drafted in 93, right? Yep. And then I was an Indian 95, 96 and 97, but I, you were in the big league locker room and around yes. minor league camp. And so I knew Dave from then. And that image then got projected yeah. into the first few outings in 99. But 99, I was back and I was with the Mets. But that's what I told you, that's Skip, crazy. you didn't hear in my story. But it's just like there's so much adrenaline and your senses are in such a weird state. And it's hard to remember specific certain details. Like I remember the AstroTurf under my feet walking into Montreal Olympic Stadium but I could barely remember the teammates for sure. <laughs> right, right. You know, what's funny is that I guess a great point and I had no idea because I think that, um, you know, oral, well, we were in spring training together in, in 99. Was it 98, 99, 99? Yep, 99. And I'll tell you the story, guys, is oral, there was a good friend of mine who was a big, huge oral Hershey fan. I don't even know if oral remembers this. Is my first year ever really coming into contact with oral and his birthday was, you know, early March, something like that, late Feb. And I asked him, I asked Oral, I wanted to surprise my good buddy. And I said, Hey, Oral, would you be able to call this guy and wish him a happy birthday? And Oral Hershiser, the great <laughs> Oral Hershiser, didn't bat an eye. We called him, wished him happy birthday. And he, to this day, remembers that. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I, I will never forget it. And I think that that's kind of to your point, Oral, is that I associate the Indians with you because you just kind of may help make that experience easier um, for me. That was a 99 spring training that my, I was such good friends with John Hart from the 95, 96, 97 runs with the playoffs and the world series, a couple of them and losing, but uh, we became such good friends. I needed a camp in 99 just to go to and get in shape. I didn't have a job. And he said, well, you'll have a job with us as a, as a backup starter, but I can, I can give you a contract coming into camp and I'll give you an out. If you want to get out and you get a big league job, then you can come over. And yeah, that's how we got to know each other. Skip. I want to call him now from Rook to skip. <laughs> Dave, right. if you could go back knowing what you know now and sit down with the 27 year old, who's about to get sent up to the majors the day you got the call, what advice would you give that self? Um, enjoy every single bit of it um, and take advantage of every moment. And, and I say moment or opportunity, you know, when, when guys ask you to go to breakfast or go to dinner or go to early hitting or, you know, have a drink later, go to somebody's room and, you know, chop it up, talk baseball, um, you know, go, you know, go. And I remember one time I, I uh, so I think that's what I would do. And 
one thing I do remember also is that I remember in Winter Haven, David Justice was like the end all be all then, you know, I think he was just dating Halle Berry and she was, uh, along with Christina Aguilera, she was really the it girl at that point in time. And so as a young player in myself and Halle Berry and David Justice, and he, he took me to Tampa, uh, we were playing the Yankees and I got to ride with him in his Porsche. So it was just he and I. And so I didn't have many of those opportunities to ride with those guys, but just, I would encourage that young Dave Roberts to, you know, take advantage of every single thing that comes your way. I love it. This is so cool to hear this. Um, how about the guys on the team, Doc? What's the week been like and uh, anybody you've checked in with? Well, um, you know, we, we uh, did the Zoom um, a little bit ago, and then there was another one I didn't get a chance to check up. But, you know, you know what I, I would love to do if I don't know if we can even make this happen is I want to call Justin, you know, um, JT we'll do it. was on that Let's last go for it. Does that, does that work? I mean, Let's try see, this, it. I'm still you a just put him on speaker. Thing. I'm gonna, Joe I'm gonna... was playing voicemails earlier in the show. So maybe, All right. yeah, so if you put him so on right speaker. Now, this... Okay. So I can put him on speaker. Let's just, well, I hope this, he's there. Yeah, he's in my rotation right now. So let's, let's call Justin. Hey, Dude. JT. So, um, I'm, I'm right now. I am. What's going on. I'm, I'm doing a podcast, like literally right now I'm doing a podcast with Oral and Joe, and uh, we wanted to check up on you. Oh, so am I live on the podcast right now? Yes. Pretty much. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe just said pretty much. Live to tape. So, oh, sweet. All right. Well, we'll keep it PG then. Well, that's, <laughs> that's right. Doc, hold him a little closer if you can. Hold the phone right up to the microphone. So, oh, is that good right there, Joe? The bottom of it, right to the mic, right there it is. So and I guess JT, now that I think of this, he's not going to be able to hear us. So you'll have to. Yo. You'll okay, have to so you're not going to hear. So here's what here's what here's what we're doing, JT. Um, we just got done talking about um, our first call up to the big leagues. So I, uh, in the spirit of checking in with my players, I wanted to call you. And since we're talking about this, what was your experience your first call up when was it give us a little anecdote yeah so 2009 um i got traded to the orioles from the reds and uh spent that whole season in in norfolk and at the end of the season um our last series was actually in durham against the rays and they hadn't told anyone uh, whether or not they're being called up. So all of our guys, everyone drove their cars to Durham because once the last game was over, we weren't making the playoffs. Um, you know, if we weren't getting called up, we were just going to drive home straight from, from Durham. So we drive down there, play the series. And at the end of the game, uh, Gary Allenson uh, calls me in the office and, and tells me I'm getting called up. Uh, and obviously, uh, that's something I think that everyone dreams of and the excitement and, you know, you go and you call your parents and you tell them, um, and you have this buzz, but then we realized there were, there were three of us that got called up and all three of us had our cars. Then we realized we had to drive our cars from Durham, North Carolina to Baltimore. And then we stayed in the hotel that night and then woke up at like 4.30 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning to catch a flight because the Orioles were in, in Boston. 
and they didn't get us a direct flight. Uh, we flew through New York. So from Baltimore to New York to Boston, we got into Boston at like 11 o'clock in the morning and they didn't even take us to the hotel because it was getaway day. Um, it was the last game that night. And so we went straight to the stadium and we were in Fenway at 1130 in the morning, 12 o'clock in the morning, or I guess in the afternoon, uh, and just hung out at the field all night. So it was, uh, it was a real, uh, whirlwind of emotions, you know, um, being excited about getting the call up, being excited about, you know, telling everyone, but then at the same time, like having to get in my car and drive, I think it was like eight hours (laughs) up to, up to Baltimore. Hey, um, you know what, um, that just, uh, real quick, I, I want you to tell, uh, the guys that story, you had a quick story. You had a story about your first hit. Wasn't it something kind of really weird? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got my first at bat in Boston that night and, uh, I struck out against Clay Buckles and then we went to New York to play the Yankees, which the Saturday game, uh, was September 11th. So there was obviously a, a big ceremony uh, for September 11th. And, um, you know, all the people were there, uh, you know, remembering what had happened. And um, so that was that was really cool to be there. This was my third game in the major league. So being a part of that, that was awesome. And then we had bad weather. So the game didn't even start. We had like a, a hour and a half rain delay before the game started then we finally got going and it was also happened to be the night that Derek Jeter broke the Yankees all-time hit record so there was like a big ovation for that um everyone was cheering so I got to watch that live then we had another like hour and a half rain delay so and this is September now, so the, the rosters are expanded, obviously. So by the second time we're coming out, you know, the Yankees are already in the playoffs. The Orioles, we're already way out of the playoffs. So they basically did like a line change to finish this game. And my my first at bat that night was at like 12.55 in the morning. So it was actually it was technically September 12th now. And there was probably 500 people in the stands. And I got my first hit off, my first big league hit off of Michael Dunn. Uh, so it, it was pretty cool. I, I got to first base and, uh, Molina, Molina was actually playing first base and he, uh, he looks at me and he goes, that's your first hit. And I said, yeah. And he goes, congrats, man. You only have like 2,760 more to catch a Jeter. So it, it, it was pretty cool. <laughs> that's great. JT. Um, that is awesome. So, um, I'm going to finish up this podcast. It's dude. Thank you for telling us this story. This is, this is really good stuff. And I, like I uh, told you before, I still am waiting to be a guest on, on a uh, courts uh, podcast as well. All right. Absolutely. We'll have you on. We'll talk some red stitch. All right. It sounds good. Well, Hey, hey JT, Doc, I'll call be, you later before you hang up Thanks. with him. Oh, be, hey, before I hang up, I, uh, Joe wants something. Hold on JT. Uh-oh. Here's his formal invitation to come on this podcast with oral and me uh, yeah. one of the next two weeks. Okay, so Joe and Oral said this is your formal invitation to come on with them in the next couple of weeks, all right? Oh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you need. All right. All, all right. right, JT, talk to you. Yeah, I did. Bye. Yeah, that should make the, this a staple, Doc. We, we uh, call one of your guys each week. 
it, it's it's good. I'm I was kind of sweating a little bit, hoping he would pick up. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm glad he, I would have lost a lot of street oh, credit, you guys. Skipper, remember, not pick uh, I up. think so I'll that, decline that call. I, I exactly. Ooh. No, but one you know what's so one. cool though is that, like hearing his story and then his thoughts on his first call up or his call up and then his first hit and what transpired because obviously we wouldn't remember that with Derek Jeter, you know, and yeah. all that stuff. Like those are really, really cool things. So that, that's a, that's a good one. Doc uh, top four this week, we're going to do favorite athletes. And we figured uh, growing up, right. That oral floated this idea. He said top four athletes growing up. And then I said, well, mine as a kid are a whole lot different than when I was in like high school. So we kind of decided top four athletes, like little league age, you know, eight to 12 years old. What were your top four guys? Top four guys. So um, my father was in the military uh, for 30 years. He passed away a few years ago. So I sort of moved around a lot. Um, so I didn't have my roots. Uh, we moved around. Um, so number four for me, top four, my fourth best favorite athlete was Ricky Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, I was born in 1972. So Ricky was uh, the man of steel and just, he was a physical specimen. He, there's nothing on a baseball field he couldn't do. Um, you know, obviously I was a fast guy. So the stolen base for me, I loved, and I also love those uh, fluorescent yellow batting gloves, green or yellow that he was rocking for a while there. So he had a little hot dog in him. He had a little hot dog. Um, so he was, uh, you're getting to my theme here, uh, which doesn't seem like me, but as I look at my list, oral, you're kind of circling around something. So okay. number three was, uh, not a hot dog was for me. The man was one of my dad's favorite players, Walter Payton. Oh, wow. Um, sweetness and, um, God rest his soul. Um, sweetness. This is a guy that I was a, love football and to see number 34 wasn't a bears fan. I just loved um, the way that this guy would attack defenders and he wouldn't run out of bounds and took the football and he scored touchdowns and put the football down, didn't showboat. And it was kind of the old Jim Brown um, do it like you you've been there before. And he never showed uh, being hurt. The headband thing I loved. Um, you know, he was with McMahon on that 80, what was it, the 85 Bears team. So I was happy to see him win a championship. But Sweetness was number three. Number two, Sugar Ray Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, the middle, it was all about the middleweights. And my dad was into boxing. And so those guys would go at it. You know, Hagler, Hearns, Duran, um, all those guys, uh, Sugar Ray. But this guy the no Moss fight with Duran and just kind of moving and dancing. And he was a showman, but to still stay focused on putting that glove on your chin multiple times and not getting hit. It was something special. And it just, he was so good looking. It just seemed like he never got hit. (laughs) Um, So Sugar Ray was number two, number one for me, the Lake show magic Johnson. Um, Again, showman, running up and down that court, you know, in a finals playing all five positions, the knee pads, the finger wrap with the tape on the index finger, the little kind of set shot, jump shot, the no look passes, the smile, the million dollar smile, um, the battles with him and Isaiah and the bad boys, him and Larry. 
And then obviously for me to kind of go full circle and to be able to call him a friend, but, and again, I moved around. So it's not like I was some Laker fan, but magic Johnson. Oh, anytime he was on, I had to watch and, you know, to hear chick Hearn call those games. Oh man. takes me back. All right. It's a fun one this week, doc. Thanks for sharing all that. Boys. That was, that was good. So thanks for having me on. Can't wait for next week. All right. We'll catch you up guys. Time for our top four. Or why don't you start it off with your fourth best athlete as a kid, fourth favorite. So it's favorites. It's not by ability because the first one that's in fourth place by resume is probably the top. And that would be Muhammad Ali. Mm. Just unbelievable. I was growing up as a kid in, in 1968. I'm 10 years old. The Tigers win the world championship. But Muhammad Ali, when you talk about all the sports around the world, uh, he became one of my favorites. Okay. And so again, just to reiterate, we're looking at like eight to 12 years old, that range eight to 13, yep. kind of the peak of, of fandom when these guys are like otherworldly stars to us. My number four, I grew up a diehard Notre Dame football fan and a four-year starter at quarterback, which was my position mm-hmm. in the mid nineties, Ron Paulus. Oh no. See, I would not barely know that name. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't expect it to. He wore number three. I had a number three Jersey. Cool. And, uh, yeah. That's my number four. My number three, I'm jumping to another sport again because I ended up with four different sports, uh, went mm. kind of seasonal. Jack Nicklaus. Uh, I played a lot of golf. I didn't play many sports, but I played a seasonal sport almost every every time. Didn't play football, but uh, yeah, golf was big in my family. My grandfather started me when I was about three years old, cut down clubs, five years old, would actually go out to the course and play a hole with him before some dinner and then continued to grow in my golf life. So Jack Nicklaus was wow. huge. Not many uh, eight to 12 year olds would cite a golfer as one of their favorite athletes. Well, it was the Saturday and Sunday morning thing that to watch golf on TV. And my dad was a huge golf fan. My grandfather was a huge golfer. So yeah, it just ran in the family. My number three is Nomar. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but I wore number five in baseball as a shortstop at that age because of Nomar. I wore number five and, it's funny, uh, he didn't make the list because this would be if it was high school age, but Brady Quinn right. was my Ron Ron Paulus after, uh, you know, after Ron Paulus. And I've worked with Brady Quinn. He's one of my best friends. I've worked with Nomar. He's one of my great friends. Another guy, had you gone a little later uh, uh-huh. for our age, Mark Pryor, who is oh now gosh. obviously the Dodger pitching have, coach. And, have you told these guys? Uh, Brady for sure knows. I think Nomar knows. Mark, I don't think knows that I was, you know, grew up a a very, very big Cubs fan. And wow, that was peak high school fan. when Mark was doing his thing. What's your number two? I'm going to another sport, a winter sport. I'm going to go with Bobby Orr, the only defenseman at that time. And probably still the only defenseman to lead the NHL and goal scored. He used to have the puck behind his own net and weave through all five players, including the goalie. And all of a sudden, uh, he was an amazing athlete and there was some great grime. And I wasn't a Boston Bruins fan. I really, I was a Philadelphia Flyer fan. I was a Detroit Red Wings fan, but uh, Bobby Orr was absolutely amazing. You were a big hockey guy. I was a yeah. big hockey guy too. It was my off season sport. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. play football. I didn't want to get hurt. Uh, so I played ice hockey and being born in Buffalo, New York, uh, raised for a year in Toronto, Canada. My dad moved around in all those Northern areas. Uh, so skating was not a big deal when I took up hockey. So my number two is a hockey player as well. Ooh. 
I had to be the only Colorado Avalanche fan in Michigan. And my number two, Joe Sackick, the captain oh, wow. of those teams in the, the mid to late 90s. Yeah, very good. What's your Hockey number one? Uh, I'm jumping to baseball, of course. And when you're a 10-year-old in Detroit, Michigan, and the Tigers win the World Series, and they've got ALK line, and Mickey Lolich was on the team, and Gates Brown, and uh, Bill Freehan was the catcher. But uh, the pitcher that won 31 games that year was Denny McLean. And that was the year of the pitcher, Drysdale with his scoreless streak, Bob Gibson with unbelievable two scoreless streaks. They had to lower the mound. But as a 10-year-old in Detroit in a world championship, Danny McLean winning 31 games was absolutely unbelievable. Wow. My number one, I could give you 1,000 guesses and you wouldn't get it. Really? Because here's a fact that I'm pretty certain you don't know about me. I was a big NASCAR fan as a kid. Okay. I used to collect the cars and really? hold my own races. And uh, you'll probably believe this part. I would like have my own NASCAR seasons with my little cars and do <laughs> point standings and notebooks. <laughs> yeah, that probably doesn't shock you. But my guy, my driver was Mark Martin. Okay. I know the name. And I was into it, man. Like, I, I don't know if he was my number one, right? Because I played right. football and played baseball. So I admired guys like Nomar and, and Brady and Ron Paulus right. and Joe Sackick and these guys. Like I wanted to be them. I didn't want to be a race car driver. I didn't want to be Mark Martin. Yeah. My favorite guy, that was, yeah. was probably Mark Martin. And to this day, are you really good at left turns? <laughs> Never was. And I guess I'm pretty <laughs> decent now, but left turn I don't follow NASCAR closely anymore. But Mark Martin was. So on the 110, you do a lot of drafting, huh? It's so fun. <laughs> that is so fun. My wife hates it going down the highway. Oh, I love I feel that like I'm a race car driver. Oh, Isn't it yeah. the best? The drives home after after winds with the windows down and the, the sun traffic so light. I know. That's we can be like race car drivers. Yeah, exactly. We don't because it's illegal, but no, if we, we wanted to go that. really fast, we could. You could, yeah. There are other people mm -hmm. going by us that we dream about. Yeah, right. What are you most looking forward to this upcoming week? Uh, you know, this last week I traveled a lot. I actually drove to LA for a couple of business meetings that for an essential business that I own, a pet food business, Lucy Pet. And so I'm looking forward to just being home here this week and with Dana and getting back on the green egg. I'm excited about that. I didn't get to do much barbecuing when I was in LA. So I'm looking forward to that. Mask on, I hope. Washing her hands. We Yeah, it was the most I had worn a mask, you know, in, in Las Vegas, it's a little bit more loose. I'd say about 50 to 70% of the people wear the masks and I would have one around my ears and down and use it when I got close to somebody. But as far as in LA, it's yeah, mandatory and definitely had them on the whole time. I'm doing another brisket in a few days. And one of the great oh, wow. things about the uh, lockdown for me, one of the silver linings, we know that I've cooked a lot, but I mm -hmm. finally feel like I'm starting to figure the brisket out. It's so difficult to do. And the problem is that normally with the baseball schedule and the schedule I do all, all year, I can't do brisket all the time. It's like every four or five months, I find right. a full day where I can devote it to doing a brisket. It's going to be like my fourth one of the lockdown. I finally feel like cool. I'm nailing it. And I'm doing with this bark, one for- is that, uh, the, is that the last thing, the bark to come? Or is it the consistent juiciness? No, it's the whole just, thing? yeah, you, you chasing your tail. There's so many, there's so many different variables to it. Huh. That it's it is a beast. So, is that part of your diary? You said you're taking a diary. How are you improving? Are you taking notes oh, yeah, or just I remember? Take notes. Take I notes. for sure take notes. But, yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, so doing that, I'm not eating a whole 14 pound brisket myself. No. Uh, good friends of ours um, just had a baby, and oh, wow. I'm doing a meal train, part of a meal train for them, and 
doing the brisket, going to save a little bit for dinner for ourselves, but taking the rest of the brisket nice. to our good friends, the Wyman's. Congratulations to the Wyman's who just had their third girl, Lily. Awesome. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, I guess that'll do it. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Ah, yes. Oh. <laughs>